Nick Cage month is not done yet. Guys, we had to do one more episode before we could fully conclude the one, the only Nick Cage month, our first celebrity month. We cannot end it just with that. So for now, we'll get into that in a second. But for now, guys, welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, the show that is so, so obsessed with Nick fucking Cage. I'm your host, Max Steele. And as always, I am joined by the Pedro Pascal to my Nick Cage. I'm joined by the one, the only, Michael Flaherty. See, I always see, I I enjoy that because Pedro Pascal is one, very attractive, and two, he speaks in a tremendous, tremendous, like, Spanish accent. So this is nothing but a net win for me to be compared to Pedro Pascal. I just want to say that. <laughs> I'm glad you're able to get some positives coming from that. Bro, you, bro, you compared me to Pedro Pascal. That's a net win. Like, that makes you Nick Cage, and I'm, I'm cool with that. I see I see no problem with being Nick Cage, so I guess it's just a win-win on all fronts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, guys, like I said, this is the true finale. We talked about Joe last week, and Nick Cage month has continued, but... Honestly, we could not end Nick Cage month without talking about the elephant in the room, and that is the unbearable weight of massive talent. It came out earlier this year, and we just we just couldn't end it like that. We also want to get into talking about Nick Cage, the man, the enigma, the guy himself, and try to answer some questions. Before we get there, Mike, what did you think of the unbearable weight of massive talent? See, I got to be honest. I, 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 I watched this movie totally, to, totally legally and uh, not in theaters. I definitely didn't pirate this. Definitely, <laughs> definitely went to theaters and saw it. But Admission of guilt. Exactly. I, I legally, le- legally saw it. No, um, no. When I when I was watching it, honestly, okay, I I thought it was great. I and I think it was as good in my opinion it was just as good as pig in mm-hmm. a certain way but like in a completely different manner like pig i watched and i was like this is really like an impressive like piece of cinema mm-hmm. whereas like i looked at unbearable weight of massive talent and went this is peak nick cage but with good writing <laughs> i was like i was like this is nick cage this is a nick cage a movie and a Nick Cage moment all wrapped into one, but with good writing and meaningful dialogue and plot. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. This movie is the good parts are great. And the I don't even I don't even want to say bad parts. I want to say the bland parts. And we'll get mm-hmm. into, you know, the whole FBI subplot, which I just kind of felt was like shoehorned in there. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the heart of this movie lies with Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal and their relationship, their budding, budding bromance. I was about to say it is it, dude, it is a bromance for the ages because Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage's chemistry is the most confusing yet like real chemistry I have mm-hmm. seen in a while. Because most times when you see like on-screen chemistry, mm. you're like, yeah, this really fits. And you can really see how these like characters really get along with one another. Mm. Whereas like here, I'm like, I did see it coming. I wouldn't have <laughs> seen it coming, but I'm really glad it's here. It's like, it's like, 
it's like getting it's like going to a restaurant ordering something and getting something completely different but you're too nervous to go and ask for the actual thing you ordered so you start eating it and you realize it's more delicious than you had thought and you're like oh yeah fuck this i want this one then (laughs) yeah i really was it's like the most it's a relationship i was not expecting to come from this movie you know they just have such good chemistry and the movie really shines when it's the two of them interacting, tripping out on LSD or watching Paddington 2. Um, unfortunately, I'm looking right now and it looks like the movie didn't make its budget back. It just barely got under with a budget of 30 million. Its box office was 28.4 million. So it was just almost there, which I feel like is a real shame. Yeah, no, it's it honestly breaks my heart. Honestly, I was just I was really bummed out because I was sitting there and I was so like I was so wishing for this to really hit because, again, my roommate said it best when he was watching this where he was like, I feel like when you're watching this, you can sit there and think to yourself, you're like, I feel like Nick Cage may be able to consider this one his magnum opus Mm -hmm. in a certain sense. Like, if you asked him about, like, Moonstruck or, like, Raising Arizona, he would be like, those were great. I really enjoyed those. But they were just good movies that I was happy to be a part of at the end of the day. Whereas this one, I feel like if you ask, I feel like this is the first movie that I had seen of his that he's like, that he, I feel like, would be like, yes, this is my magnum opus. This is what I'm the most proud of. Mm -hmm. And I'm really bummed it didn't make its money back. Because I really would have loved to see this movie just like go off and go huge. But one thing I found interesting when researching this movie is that originally Nick Cage did not want to play Nick Cage. He wanted somebody else to play him, which I find, I don't know, that that's interesting to me. And it leads down to like, you know, this, oh, what if like, alternate dimension of like who would have played nick cage in this movie if it wasn't the man himself yeah i'm i'm sitting there i didn't i didn't know this Mm -hmm. i did not know that this was originally originally planned but i'm i am just trying to think back like who do you think would be the perfect fit for nick cage outside of the man himself nicholas cage hmm off the top of my head just get just like from not go i'm not going from a physical like standpoint you know this person mm-hmm. like this person looks like nick cage yeah. i'm going off of like an enigma side of things like who is somebody that carries like a similar enigma like whenever you see this person on screen you're like oh this shit's about to get weird oh yeah yeah okay okay Steven Seagal. Oh, oh, yes, yes. This, this did not go in the direction I thought it was going to go, but I'm happy it didn't. My God, if Steven Seagal was in this movie playing Nicolas Cage, that would be the best. It was just, it would be great to see like Steven Seagal play the complete opposite of what Nick Cage is in that like, because like when Nick Cage acts, he overacts to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Whereas Steven Seagal acts like your sedated granddad moving through, like moving through an action scene. 
But you can understand that, like, they both share a similar enigma about themselves. They're, like, they're going to get something when they're on screen. I was about to say, uh, th- that is true. That is true, and I do back you up on that. No matter what, no matter which one is on screen, you're going to get something out of one mm-hmm. of them. It could be good. It could also easily be bad. But you're going to get something out of them. And I was just, it's just so fantastic that, like, yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's fantastic. I was going to say Johnny Depp just because yeah. they're both weird. They both mm-hmm. do their own thing and they're they both have a really strange cult of personality personality now especially. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. uh it's just crazy to me. Like I I, I like I think I think Johnny I was going to say Johnny Depp but dude, fuck that. Steven Seagal. <laughs> I want Steven Seagal to be to be Nick Cage in this. I see where you're going with Johnny Depp. Like I I, right? I do I like that pick. I weird, really really do. Like they're a generally weird person. Mm-hmm. They overact like a motherfucker. Like they're just they they have the craziest spending habits, but are but it's just in terms of not an enigma, but just in mm-hmm. terms of weird person mm-hmm. who has really specific acting skills. Mm-hmm. I feel like Johnny Depp would be like perfect. Yeah, you that. can you can see Johnny Depp and Nick Cage like hanging out together, but again, when you mm-hmm. see them, when you see Nick Cage or Steven Seagal on screen, you're just like. Yes, what's about yeah. to happen? I am so I was about to say, here for it. That is the one thing. That is the one thing that Johnny Depp doesn't have, and unfortunately, with Nick Cage, that's a huge factor. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that yes factor that Nick Cage or Steven Seagal does. You see, you see either one of them, and you just like you just instantly go yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely, yes, yes, all of this, yes. So, Mike, now we're going to get to the million dollar question. If this movie were a drink, what would it be and why? See, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Okay. I'm not going to sit there and create some big scenario. I know what I know what the drink is. Hell, I may even put my money where my mouth is and say it will be a good drink. Okay. But you know what? I'm going to just go I'm going to rip the bandaid off right now. You know, uh for those of you who don't know, uh ranch water is a common drink that uses that utilizes tequila. It is tequila, soda water, and lime juice. Now, again, because it's the special sneak episode, I had to do I had to do Nick Cage month. I had to end Nick Cage month right. Took one out of Max's book. We all have agreed now mm-hmm. that Nick Cage is absent. He is just absent. He's an enigma. He was he was he was he was real popular early on and then he just went off and wasn't there for a little bit. He did a bunch of weird shit that really threw people off. Some mm-hmm. drugs were potentially involved, but now he's back in the swing of things and people are all for it. Swap out the tequila for absinthe. Go. That's it. There's nothing to it. It's ranch water with absinthe instead. Dude, sim- simple straight into the it's- point. It's Nick Cage's sweat water. Nick Cage's sweat water. <laughs> yeah, it's not ranch water. It's it's Nick Cage's sweat. I'm gonna get a water bottle with that written on the outside of it. <laughs> it's just Nicholas Cage sweat, and it's just you chugging it like it's the end of like it's the end of the world. I like I like that. That that's a good one. So for me, my first one is because when you look at this movie, the real heart of the movie is nick cage and pedro pascal 
But originally when I was looking at it, I was just thinking, okay, Nick Cage and like this stereotypical like action, like FBI, international super spy, whatever. And I was thinking, okay, I could go like with, you know, uh, like a Coke and absinthe mix. But I was like, no, that that's that's too easy. I got I got to like ramp it up a little bit. So I started doing some research and I was like, okay, I, I think I found it. So I would like to present the absinthe spider highball. What this is, is two ounces of absinthe and throw in some Angostura aromatic bitters that'll like marry nicely, like with the absinthe, kind of okay. like Javi and Nick Cage in this movie. Okay. Okay. And okay. then just. Top it off with some cheap, warm road trip ginger ale that you've had a thousand times before. You know exactly the taste you're yeah. gonna get. You're still mm-hmm. gonna drink it, and you know you'll you'll still enjoy it. Yeah, like it's a warm Schweppes. A- exactly. So much much like this movie, the only thing separating it from like you know a a basic ass ginger ale, like an action movie, is the presence of absinthe and bitters. Being, and this movie being Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal. See, I like that we both went for like cocktails that mm-hmm. both of us actually have sat there and just quietly went. Yeah, I think I would actually be OK with drinking this. Like yeah. if this was put in front of me, I wouldn't barf. I wouldn't retch and go, what in God's name did you put in front of me? Mm-hmm. I would probably drink it and go. Yeah, you know what? That's that that's solid. I can get behind that. So, guys. For this particular podcast, we're doing things a little bit different. We're going to be talking about the movie, but then we're going to save a lot of time at the end to talk about the man himself. We've spent this whole month with him, and we just wanted to take some time and just, you know, ask a few questions and get a few mm-hmm. answers. So, guys, exactly. why don't you all crack open a cold one and let's talk about the unbearable weight of massive talent. So we get this opening scene where people in Europe are, I guess, are watching Nick Cage movies and then they get kidnapped. And I'm like, oh, OK, this is not where I was expecting things yeah. to start. They're watching like Con Air. Yeah, they're watching. See, I'm glad that you found out what I'm glad that you also picked out what movie they are watching because they're watching Con Air, which I got to be real. I because they're because they're all like because they're both because it's it's like a couple or something mm-hmm. like that and they're like smoking weed and they're watching Con Air and I got to be honest other than Nick Cage movies Con Air just has to be one of his early works that's just so ridiculous that I'm that is just that's the most stonery Nick Cage movie mm-hmm. it's ridiculous it's balls to the wall it's it's Nick Cage at his at, at starting off his Nick Cage like renaissance era of like 2000 to like 2015 mm-hmm. or 2005 or whatever you want to pick that was so when he had like, like that, that really like long hair right and he yeah. was like always smiling it's when, he had, and... it's, when, it's when he looked like a aging metal band member like he's like hey i used to i used to be the keyboardist for iron maiden but you know the years have been tough to me but i can still rock he's like bro is that is that a ronnie james dio's cousin <laughs> I was about to say is it's Ronnie James Dio if he wasn't if he wasn't like shaped like Danny DeVito. (laughs) So after this scene, we go to Nick Cage listening to Credence Clearwater Revival. Um, He's talking to a younger version of himself, 
which this younger version of himself is exactly what we all think Nick Cage is like actually like as a person. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, I feel like I feel like the dude, the the people who were making this movie really had a lot of like knowledge on where everyone stands with Nick Cage (laughs) because they bring in this this Nick, this like young Nick Cage, and he is just ringing all of the, oh, this is a Nick Cage moment bells because he's just, because the way he even announces his name and walks around, you are just like, you were just like, that, I feel like that's how Nick Cage acts in real life. Oh, like like with the Nick fucking K, like that. Yeah, ex- exactly. Okay, that's so, literally it. So funny story about that. Um, I saw like a director commentary where they were saying like, in the script, it's just written as because I'm Nick fucking Cage. But on set, when he was reading that line, he just added like the Nick fucking and just dragged it on. And when like the director asked him, like, well, you know, why? Why did you do that? And his, Nick Cage's response was, I wanted it to be transcendent. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> see i was was about to say that's the that's the response because the director i 100 you just hear that from dick cage you're just like hell yeah man hell yeah i this is this is what i expect this is what i expect also speaking of younger nick Cage or the alternate the alter ego the split personality whatever the fuck it's supposed to be conscience or something like that. yeah that's the subconscious of nick cage which god help us if we ever actually get hold of that this is later in the movie, but there's a scene where where young where Nick Cage kisses Nick Cage, and that's a thing that happened in this film. Again, again, whoever made whoever wrote this movie or produced it or whatever you want to call it, they're great. They're great because you know that these people have watched Con Air, have watched Moonstruck, they've watched all of the wicker man all of mom and dad they've they've been doing what we are doing with nick cage month and they decided they're going to make a movie but also make all of also put the nick cage moments in which just which just makes me so happy it makes me so happy that there's a proper nick cage movie that still contains the nick cageisms mm-hmm. yeah so we get a lot of this and after this, we go to Nick Cage out at dinner with this or dinner or lunch or whatever it is. It's he's out with the this director who I think it's David Gordon Green. But in like original drafts of the script, it was supposed to be. And I and I only found this out because my girlfriend looked up the script and found like an original draft. It was supposed to be Quentin Tarantino. What? <laughs> he was supposed to be that director. Tarantino was supposed to be involved in this? Yeah, like like as the original director. That's awesome. That's that awesome. Would, that would have been so awesome. That, that would have been I swear to God, dude. High school B would just be like, would just be going ape shit. If he saw if he saw Nick Cage being Nick Cage, Quentin Tarantino in the film, I would just be losing it. <laughs> so that little little fun fact for you guys. So then once Nick Cage does this like whole audition thing in like the middle of the then the middle of the restaurant, he goes to hang out with his agent. I don't even know his name. It's just Neil Patrick Harris. 
<laughs> it's literally just Neil. I was like that. No. That just can just confused me because I don't know why. I think this is just the problem. But like every time I see Neil Patrick Harris, I just think, oh no, what what's Barney gotten himself into this time? <laughs> yeah. See, it depends on it depends on where you first met Neil Patrick Harris. Because mm-hmm. if you met Neil Patrick Harris and How I Met Your Mother, you're like. Barney's gotten himself into quite the pickle versus like if you watched him from like Harold and Kumar you're like damn Neil's gone crazy <laughs> I like to think that Neil Patrick Harris is just the way that he is in uh Harold and Kumar absolutely dude I would oh I pray that that's how <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris is in real life and along with hanging out with Neil Patrick Harris Cage is also having family troubles with his daughter and ex-wife him and his ex-wife have to go to like therapy and nick cage is always just talking about himself and honestly why the fuck could she get tired of just hearing nick cage just talk about himself if i had to hear that every day i i, I would love it it would be I was awesome. about to say I, I would just be gushing over it at all points in time so he gets into a lot of debt because he's rented this hotel room he's like what six hundred thousand dollars yeah debt. yeah he's he's yeah he's living out of a hotel room and is and is so crazy in debt that Neil Patrick Harris literally went, I, I'm i aware how deeply in debt you are. Mm-hmm. Like, it's ridiculous. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm fine. And he goes, Nick, we know you're not. And it's there where it's presented that he goes off to go spend some time with this Spanish millionaire, billionaire. But we're not going to get there just yet. We're going back to the family where he's trying to like bond. Like he's describing bonding with his daughter by showing her the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. <laughs> which i gotta say i i was like see i was i i saw i i saw this and my inner film nerd was just split in two mm-hmm. because he sat there and went to cabinet of the dr caligari fantastic movie we both loved it blah 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 and i'm sitting there my inner film nerd is like yes yes finally this is being brought up ah uh, yes Finally, yes, it's a great movie, right, Nick Cage? Yes, we're so in sync. And then my inner, like, my inner, like, other part, every other part of my brain was just like, was just like, this is such dumb shit. Stop, stop. <laughs> it's it's a movie from the twenties. <laughs> There's other shit that's from like the past twenty years that we could watch. Like, what do I like? I gotta say, I feel like this part of the movie is true. When you're the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola, I just feel like that's just like ritualistic viewing. Like you've got to be a film nerd to be in the Coppola I say, family. I was about to say, like every person in the Coppola family has to just be like crazy film nerds. Like everyone. Like I don't like I don't think we've met, like I don't think we mentioned it at all like during Nick Cage month. But yeah, Nick Cage is related to Francis Ford Coppola. For those of you that didn't know, yeah, he's related to he's related to all of the Coppola, mm-hmm. like obviously, uh, fucking yeah. obviously, Duh. but like but he. But it's so weird that so many people don't really recognize him as being a part of that Coppola lineage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but Nick Cage gets involved in a. Um, he gets locked. First of all, he gets locked out of his hotel room. And second of all, he goes back to his da- daughter's birthday party. He's doing like the whole drunk, divorced dad thing, trying to impress her friends. And he performs an original song that he wrote. And it, it goes just about as well as you think. This is like the family stuff that we got to get through 
to establish who Nick Cage is before he goes off on his adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after this, Nick Cage, he originally decides to retire from acting, which again, that'll be one of the darkest days in cinema. So he, <laughs> so he tr- decides to go along with his agent's offer. He goes off, crosses the Atlantic Ocean, and goes flies into this airport. And this is where we get introduced to the CIA FBI subplot of this movie. Mike, I, I want to. What What did you think about this part of the movie? So the CIA subplot was odd mm-hmm. to me. It was definitely odd. Um, I won't say that I sat there and went, "This is completely unnecessary." I was like, "It's cool enough to where mm-hmm. I'm." pleased that it's there but it also is something where i'm like yeah honestly if we cut anything out that part could easily be cut out but i did sit there and see ike barinholtz and tiffany haddish were the agents and i was and i was very pleased because mm-hmm. ike barinholtz he's one of those faces that you don't you don't know the name but you look at him and you have recognized him in a bunch of movies mm-hmm. super cool super funny great actor tiffany Haddish is tiffany fucking haddish oh, yeah, so oh, she's yeah. awesome so I saw the two of them and went, I mean, I am not unhappy that they're there. No. I was like, uh, I do like that the two of them are involved in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, I think I, this whole CIA FBI subplot, I think it can be summed up by saying it's it's fine. You know, it's like it's not really offensive. It's just kind of there. But when you have that compared to the whole nick cage and pedro pascal relationship it does get you know one is clearly better than the other yeah yeah no 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 exactly it's it's one of those things where they give you the relationship between him and pedro pascal and you're and it is just you're just eating it up like they get along so well and their chemistry is so great Mm -hmm. that you are all for it and then they cut away to like the the CIA like subplot mm-hmm. and you're just sitting there going, I mean, okay, it's, it's not something you're mad about, but it's something that you more just feel is the necessary portion of the movie to, to move the plot forward. Mm-hmm. And by the way, speaking of Pedro Pascal, we actually get to meet him. We meet Javi, who is a Nick Cage super fan. And by super fan, we'll get into it later. But like this, hey. this guy is just straight up like, I am your biggest hey. fan. Hey, he's a kindred spirit here on the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. <laughs> All right. We here are Nick Cage super fans as well. Okay. So we are pro Nick Cage here. But like Javi, I mean, he's got like all the props. We'll get into his like weird shrine. I mean, this man has a Nick Cage shrine the same way that like I have a Ryan Gosling shrine in my apartment. Lord, Lord, that beautiful man stars in such good cinema. <laughs> People are always confused when the two of us bring up Ryan Gosling at that beautiful man. I love that man. He's so great. One, he's very attractive. Two, he stars in some of the coolest movies that Hollywood has put out in the past 12 years. And I don't, I will not stop until everyone knows this. Real quick, Ryan Gosling tangent. This man, like, he's got like that sexy quiet thing people are always talking about like the ryan thing ryan reynolds or ryan gosling i'm like ryan gosling because ryan reynolds is like that you know mainstream like ha 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 like everybody's laughing at the bar ryan gosling is that guy that is sitting in the corner that you will have a deep conversation with 
and he you also know that he will fuck you up <laughs> like he will oh, like yeah. you see it in those de- in those eyes you're like yes i want okay that. all right i know I, I gotta be honest all i gotta say is watch a place beyond the pines and yes. do not tell me that that man is dreamy no yes <laughs> yes he i'll ride he can take me on a ride on his motorcycle anytime ryan absolutely are you absolutely. listening are tangent you listening over. <laughs> tangent, tangent over tangent over we'll save this for ryan gosling month i i, I don't know <laughs> Ryan Gosling year. Yeah, Ryan Gosling decade. <laughs> oh my god. So we find out that Javi is a screenwriter, but initially Nick Cage is like, you know, annoyed by him, but eventually he comes around. And Nick Cage and Javi, they have this like serious discussion by the side of a cliff where Javi just kind of gives like the best motivational speech ever when Nick Cage tells him he's quitting acting. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because you just see Javi dramatically turn from a cliff face as the sun is setting. And it's just this big electric speech on how Nick Cage has this gift that he must bestow upon Hollywood and that it is just a disservice to abandon it. And you know what? It's so great because you sit there and it's just, this feels so, it doesn't feel Mm self-congratulatory. Like, like uh like like one movie, Cough Me You Madness, Cough <laughs> where it was just sort of sort of patting itself on the back. This felt more like this I and granted you and granted Max, you can corroborate, but like it feels almost like like an applause for Nick Cage mm-hmm. as an actor. Cause it's like cause the whole time it is just like this whole thing is just because he's addressing Nick Cage directly because Nick Cage is playing himself and he goes, mm-hmm. hey, you have this talent. It is you given so much and it's just so cool. And he's just like, this feels so genuine and great. And it's so awesome. I love it so much. I mean, it's pretty much what we've been saying on this podcast for the past month. Like Nick Cage has brought us so much joy and I'm so glad that this movie exists despite like any problems I might have with like the FBI subplot. I do love this. Like this movie is awesome. I oh like, yeah. It 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 is just it's it's a fun time. I saw this in theaters. It was rock, and we were laughing, having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But getting back, like that, like like we said, this relationship is really where it's where it shines. Specifically, their shared love of movies. And you know, we mentioned you know Nick Cage talking about Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. But Paddington 2, these guys get way too emotional about this little bear. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Too emotional? Too emotional? You heard me. Max? You heard me. You? How dare you? You leave Paddington out of this. (laughs) Paddington is adorable and he is a blessing. (laughs) All right? You put some respect on the man's name. It's so weird. Like every time I mention Paddington two in this movie, and like whenever I say it like that, there's like, "Hey, whoa!" They just get very defensive about this movie. <laughs> Paddington is great. Okay, honestly, every person I have known is always very cagey about seeing Paddington. They see Paddington, and then they go see Paddington motherfucking two, and they go, "I'm hooked." <laughs> the VFX, the bear effects in Paddington. And Paddington are really great, to be fair. Exactly. Also, Paddington is adorable. 
This just turned into a Paddington review, guys. Surprise. <laughs> okay, if we can go on a Ryan Gosling tangent, we can go on a Paddington tangent, all right? Because at least that's relevant to the fucking movie. But eventually after this bonding time, Cage gets confronted by these CIA agents who we saw earlier, and they suspect that Javi has something to do with this arms dealing and, so- and is behind the kidnapping of this girl to pr- help, you know, some politician drop out of an election. Like, that's really that's really all that I can say about that part. Yeah, yeah. Without getting into spoilery stuff, it's pretty much Javi is suspected to be an arms dealer who's kidnapped mm-hmm. uh, one of the uh, one of the um, candidates for the president's seats like daughter or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, so the CIA agents uh, recruit essentially Nick cage mm-hmm. to be, to be, to be, which, a is, CIA an awesome, which is an awesome sentence, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> which is just amazing because that's not us like saying his, forgetting the character's name. They quite literally recruit Nicholas cage <laughs> to be a CIA agent, which is extra awesome. They redo Fargo. No, not, not Fargo. Argo essentially. I was about to say Fargo. They bring him out to the rural parts of Nebraska and kill him. Which, I mean, if that movie went this way, I'd be like, okay, we're here now. Cool. I was about to say, Steve Steve Buscemi's in the background for some reason. Also playing himself. (laughs) Absolutely. He's also playing Nick Cage as well. Dude, he's, he's multifaceted, right? He can absolutely do that. So Nick Cage is like, hey, I don't really want to do that. But then eventually, of course, he comes around and agrees like, OK, I will help y'all in this mission. And then we get this party scene where he where basically Nick Cage has to reenact that quaalude scene from the Wolf of Wall Street because like he gets like some gadget and that's supposed to like kill or paralyze somebody. Look, all I remember from this part is that Nick Cage gets something on his face and he starts reenacting the quaalude scene so yeah i was about to say he literally goes full wolf of wall street and just gets all drooly (laughs) so eventually he's able to hack into the mainframe you know doing action movie stuff and he's actually about to die but then somebody like from the movie from like the background says action uh tiffany haddish tiffany haddish says action and nick cage just comes to Gets the antidote, and we're like, "All right, that that checks out." Yeah, you're like, yeah. I saw that. It just went, yeah. That's that, that's some Nick Cage shit right there. Just, just, just waking, just like falling near death's door and hearing action. They're suddenly back and ready, ready for action. It's also at this party, like Nick Cage needs a reason to stay longer, so he agrees to take part in Javi's film. And they do like their relationship kind of reminds me of the way that like me and my friends in college would get together and talk about like movie ideas. Like we just mm-hmm. get to be like, yes, you know, OK, <laughs> what if it's like we do we don't do a talky comedy, but we do like a road trip movie. Like, yes, it's, it's, it's just a group of inebriated. Yes, men. I mean, pre- yeah, pretty much. We're just like, OK, <laughs> yeah. what if we do Everybody that? Goes- Everyone's like, I got this idea. And they're like, that's amazing. Added this. Like, yeah. And they're like, how about instead of that, it's this. Yeah. It's just it's just a just a cascading effect. I mean, that's my college experience in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, my God. So they have like this whole misadventure where they go off 
and take LSD, which I I love this scene when they're oh yeah when they take LSD and they're tripping balls <laughs> through the town. They freak out some old people. They do an over dramatized scene where Nick Cage and Javi have to go over a wall. <laughs> Oh yeah, that scene had me losing it. I swear to God, they have this like because both Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage can really, really act. Like they can really put the put the energy in. So it would just so it's just funny just to see these dudes just like really go above and beyond the Call of Duty with like some of these like drama scenes and them being high scenes. It's just great. Again, I love the scene where they're trying to get over the wall and then they're like, oh, I can just I can just go around it. That had me laughing. They try to like get away. They're experiencing paranoia and they like cause a car accident and then just leave. I'm like, I want a day like that with Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah. You're, you just, you know, I want to drop acid with Nick Cage and drive around in an expensive car in Spain. <laughs> And then we finally see the shrine that we mentioned earlier. Oh, like we get we see the like beauty. we see everything. Yeah. From national oh. treasure to I'm pretty sure there is uh, the wicker face man, off the face off the wicker man. There's like everything is in this one shrine. Oh, yeah. And it's it's glorious. It is glorious and dude the funny thing is like he's not freaked at nick cage isn't freaked out by this it's actually endearing now, i don't know about you but if i saw a shrine to myself in someone's like basement I'd, i'm getting out yeah see it's i'm very conflicted i'm very conflicted because on one hand if it was us now and someone had a shrine to us, I would be very disturbed. I would just, I wouldn't be flattered in any capacity. I'd just be disturbed. With Nick, with like Nicolas Cage level of popularity, I don't know. I, I don't know. I may be more like, more like relaxed with the response as well. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've already had people telling, telling you for like years now, for like 30 years, mm-hmm. that you are like, that you're their favorite like actor. You're super cool. People wanted to take pictures. It is like, it feels like obviously a weird one, but mm-hmm. a natural escalation. I feel like, I don't know. It's like with, if us two at this current stage had that, oh yeah, you bet your ass I'm leaving and calling the police. But like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. I'd be a little more like in like the same way Nick Cage is. I don't know. We're not that famous yet. Yeah, exactly. Guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram, uh, please. and Twitter, and, and Twitter, and Twitter, and Twitter. And Twitter. please, guys. Um, please, yes, please, please. We need, we need to get Kanye West to notice us. <laughs> just notice us, Kanye. Just come on our podcast. We've been DMing you for months, and like, yeah, exactly. You're just not responding. Like, just you know, a nice hi would be nice. You know, you could just you know respond. Okay, sorry. Damn. You could, you could, yeah. You know what, Kanye? We'd let you come on and say whatever you want. This is your this is your platform. Just just Absolutely. come here and just you can, say exactly. You you don't need to, you don't need you're not shackled by corporate bullshit here. <laughs> we here at the Best of Midnight Podcast encourage all forms of free speech. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. We we endorse Kanye just saying wild shit. <laughs> 
so far we've had a Ryan Gosling, a Paddington, and a Kanye tangent. This is the best <laughs> podcast ever. I was about to say, yeah. We're going to talk about just about any everything around Unbelievable Way to Massive Talent. <laughs> so Nick Cage has to, like, now the FBI or CIA or whoever fuck it is, I, I, can't, I can't keep all the alphabets together. So they want him to pull, like, some type of, like, inception thing on Javi to figure out about, like, this kidnapped girl. So he's like, okay, like, hey, if you were kidnapped, if you were to kidnap someone, like, what would you do? Like, that type of thing. They basically wanted to pull, like, an inception on Javi. And when Javi hears this, he's like, dude, that that's dumb. Like, you are, and then he says you are creatively bankrupt and basically tears down Nick Cage for a little bit. But then he's like, okay, you know what? I, I see what this is. So he brings his family, his ex-wife and his daughter, out to spend time with him in Spain. Um, yeah, he just sits there. The best part is like, is like Nick Cage is like, hey man, I'm spent. And Javi goes, I know the way to solve this. And he brings his divorced wife and his estranged child <laughs> into the picture. Like, ah, oh, yes, that'll get the creative juices flowing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's so great because Javi's sitting there so proud of himself. Like, ah, yes, now we can now we can hash out these issues and get back to it. <laughs> so they have this whole like heartwarming discussion where they're like, oh, you know, like we're still a family and, you know, that 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 type of thing. And then it's revealed that it's not Javi that's like the bad guy. It's actually his cousin who's the real bad guy. And I'm like, dude, just no, I don't, I don't want to see Nick Cage kill Javi. He, he's just too wholesome. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, Javi's too great. And it was really it really made me happy that at this point, Javi like Javi turned out to not be the bad guy because I was like, I really didn't want to see him and Javi fight because I was like, I like them too much. <laughs> yeah. And his cousin's like, hey, Javi, you need to kill Nick Cage. So they take him like out to this field. He's like, yo, you got to kill him. So Cage and Javi, they have this face off. Do you, do, do you see what do you see what I did there? Do, do you see what I did there? That's a great. So the bad guys come to kill them both. So they they, you know, make amends and they're like, okay, we're gonna save your family, we're gonna save my family too. So they this is the action uh movie portion of this film where Cage drives like a madman, Javi's shooting people. We get Javi nerding out about Nick Cage stuff on a DVD featurette. Awesome. Oh, awesome. yeah. It's just amazing. Just just flat out awesome. So now his daughter's been kidnapped. So Cage takes the rest of this gang to the CIA safe house. And when they get hit, when they, when they, yeah, when they get there, the house has been raided. So the guy, um, the guy FBI character has now been killed. And Tiffany Haddish is still alive, but, you know, not for long. She eventually sacrifices herself. And honestly, like, if this movie just put, like, less of an emphasis on this FBI subplot, I think it would have been better off for it because the relationship between Nick Cage and Javi is just perfect. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like their relationship is so strong. It almost feel, it makes the B-plot almost feel like feel like an unnecessary break. Mm-hmm. Because you're just you're just eating it up the entire time, just loving it, and then it just breaks away to Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz, and you're like, I both of you are great. However, they have my attention already. 
So they decide that with Nick Cage's wife's makeup ability and Nick Cage, you know, being Nick Cage to put on bad grandpa esque makeup (laughs) and him and his wife break in to pretend to be this crime family. It's it's so great. It's so great. They're just like they just decide to dress him up. And he literally that was a great analogy mm-hmm. or a great description. He literally looks like he literally is put in Knoxville level makeup to look like an old man. And you're you're like, who is this fooling? Who is this fooling? I think in the movie it's actually um his wife that like is the one that's convincing them, like with her acting ability that oh, they actually are the people they say that they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah. Cause, cause he, cause he almost blows it like several times mm-hmm. and like the wife, the entire time is holding it together. Mm-hmm. So they managed to locate their daughter and, um, Maria. I think that's, who is it? That's Javi's wife, right? Or is it his? I think it's Gabrielle. Gabrielle. Okay. So they, lo- so they locate, they locate the two girls they were looking. Oh, that Maria is the, um, daughter of the kidnapped pod i can't remember i can't remember this like i said the fbi plot i'm just kind of like it's it's there it exists yeah it's doing something (laughs) there is a character there that is associated with that that's about all i can say so they get the kidnapped girls and they get discovered so they're trying to break out of here fights ensue there's a car chase it's it's you know it's action movie stuff we have fun. So they end up driving to, they end up trying to drive to the U S embassy and their car stops. And Javi and Nick cage, they say like one last goodbye where Javi tries to hop out of the car, where he hops out of the car and Gabriella joins him and they pull their guns and they're like, all right, let's do this. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They do. They do their like little like final stand thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they defend themselves, but cage tries to go to the U S embassy and Lucas tries to take him hostage. Cage ends up killing him with a knife. And we get this weird transition where it's not his wife anymore. It's like some actress that we see. And we're like, oh, and then when we back up, we're like, oh, this is at like a movie premiere. So Nick Cage actually went out and made the movie that him and Javi were talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then him and his family get back together. They watch Paddington 2 and... Gosh darn it, that's how Nick Cage got his groove back. Absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't have ended it better myself. And and guys, that's the movie. Like, like I said, we were trying to power through this one so we could save some time for the end to talk about Nick Cage. Oh, the beautiful, the beautiful specimen that is. Mike, what do you... I, I've enjoyed this month. This month has oh. been... So much fun. This is the first time we ever did something like this where we went back and I couldn't think of like a better first pick than to go with watching some of the movies. And yes, we did miss some, but I couldn't I couldn't think of anyone better than Nick Cage. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, he was see the thing about like starting it on Nick Cage. Is like there are other ridiculous actors and actresses. Like Steven Seagal, Tara Reid, who have starred in shit. But Nick Cage is one who's still endearing. Because they suck. Because they're just terrible. (laughs) And you know we could dump on him all day. Mm -hmm. But with Nick Cage, he at least... (laughs) 
he at least is meaningful. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Mike's just dying a little bit. It's okay. I'm I'm dying. He's just so he is all... so sad that Nick Cage meant this coming getting, to an end. I'm getting I'm getting choked up. <laughs> no, no. So we could just sit there and just like pick an actor and dump on him. But like Nick Cage is actually a genuinely enjoyable. He always puts a million percent into everything he does. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's just so right to start off on someone who's actually like puts effort into their shit. Mm-hmm. No matter what, it could be like anything from the Wicker Man to Moonstruck. Like Nick Cage is—he even said it himself mm-hmm. in a bunch of interviews for 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 unbelievable weight. He was like, "You know what? You can say whatever you want about my career, but you can never say I didn't put a hundred percent into every single movie I was in." And I was like, "Bars, absolute, mm-hmm. unequivocal bars." Mm-hmm. Like the man has sunk his soul into every piece of media he was in, and I respect the hell out of it. Yeah, I think Nick Cage is the epitome of movies that you remember. Oh, like nine times Mm -hmm. out of ten going into a Nick Cage movie, you know, regardless of if the movie was good or not, let's put that off to one side. You'll come out of that movie at least enjoying the part that Nick Cage was in. And I honestly can't think of like a higher compliment to give an actor. We're not saying he's perfect, you know, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. But like nine again, nine times out of ten, Nick Cage is the diamond in the rough. Oh yeah. <clears throat> no, man. He he genuinely, he's genuinely great. Mm-hmm. Even even if you're laughing at the ridiculousness mm-hmm. that he is in, you're still like appreciating Nick Cage as an actor. Cause yeah, no, it's just like I, I can't really think of another actor who actually will sit there and be at the same level as Nick Cage, but still be liked. Because mm-hmm. there are plenty of actors who put a hundred percent into their roles, but are just hated. Mm-hmm. Like uh, cough, Skull. cough. Yeah, Steven Seagal. Yeah, Steven Steven Seagal is an easy one. The dude stars in terrible, hilariously bad movies, but. Steven Seagal is, and Steven Seagal is just completely off his rocker. But like, I don't know. I think I think starting off with someone who's likable to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. The guy's not perfect, obviously. Every, he's 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 done a lot of crazy shit mm-hmm. outside of acting. What type of crazy shit has he done? Oh my god. Oh my god. Where do you start? Okay. Do we start uh, with the shrunken heads or do we start with the Tyrannosaurus oh, yeah, exactly. skull that he bought or what? He, he spent 600 Let me let me find the actual number, but I'm pretty sure he spent 600 fucking grand on 300 grand. 300 grand on a dinosaur skull. Dude, I mean, if if you had that fuck it money, you would do the same thing. He, okay, all right. Let's move past fuck it money. <laughs> Nick Cage is a notorious comic book fan mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Apparently, this dude is a huge comic book fan. His favorite comic book hero is Superman. Okay, totally fine. Not my character, but totally cool. Teach his own. I don't think you're as I don't care who you are. You're not as big of a superhero fan as Nick Cage is because mm. you didn't name your own goddamn child Kal-El after the official name of Superman. God, do you imagine how perfect that would be 
if he actually if like the what was it the 1990s version of Superman actually went through the one that Tim Burton was supposed to be directing and where Nick oh, Cage was yeah. cast, was like mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. cast and put on the Superman suit. Oh yeah. Dude, I am so sad we don't live in that reality. If we it's exactly exactly. Mm-hmm. It's so I'm so so oh so bummed. Cuz like about uh, about the only superheroes that Nick Cage has played was in Into the Spider-Verse where he voiced Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. And yeah. he he did play Superman in Teen Titans Go to the movies. Oh, all right, all right. That's that's a lot less womp womp. Yeah. No. Uh he however well, he, did he, play, was, he did play he, Ghost Rider as well, obviously. We talked about that he, earlier. He but. played Ghost Rider. He also played he also played the dad in kick ass. That's that is true. So, yeah, so he was he he's he's been involved in superhero stuff, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, I totally agree. Tim Burton Superman starring Nick Cage would just be just magnificent. But like I feel like we've harped on the superhero aspect of Nick Cage. And the three hundred thousand dollar dinosaur skull, Nick Cage. Let's talk about the. <clears throat> this this is more fitting uh, with the movie. I might add. Okay. Let's talk about the drugs part of Nick Cage. I'm here for it. Uh fun fun little fact that I found looking up. Nick Cage uh, at one point in his like Hollywood like mansion or whatever the hell, he saw that his that his uh that his that his grown cat mm-hmm. Lewis had uh uh broken into his uh magic mushrooms oh boy and uh nibbled on a few and was a was a was a wee bit high oh boy now of course of course you know every rational adult sees that their cat has broken into the psychedelics mm-hmm. and just goes it's time to bring him to the vet make sure that he's okay not gonna die mm-hmm. it's a very big don't ask don't tell scenario with that not our boy Nick Cage, though. Of course not. Not our, not our boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, our boy Nick Cage decided uh, he was just going to, like, just take a few mushrooms with the cat and just vibe with it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, OK, all right, Nick. All right. Just just quick sideline for a quick second. Uh, I love the energy. Love the energy. Unfortunately, this isn't your college bro who's tweaking out, man. <laughs> like, it's your cat. <laughs> Dude, like Nick Cage, like okay, okay, he's a bro for that. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's your cat, man. Like, <laughs> to say, what the I fuck? To say, if it was like, if it was like, if it was like, yo, I rolled in. Uh, I was like junior in college. I rolled in. I see my dog. He's like tweaking out. So I just like just swoop in, take some mushrooms with him, and ride it out alongside him. Then I'd be like, that's a now that is a friend move right there. But. <laughs> Nick Cage just your cat. I feel like you could be a. I feel like you could be a little more proactive. I feel like you could sit there and just run to the vet and go. He's not gonna die. Cool. All right. Perfect. I'm gonna take him back. The cat's just pacing in circles. Just like make it stop. Make it stop. Good God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's just insane. Like who? Who sits there and thinks? Who? Who sits there and thinks? Yeah. It's time to. It's time to it's time to do mushrooms with my cat. Oh, honestly, honestly, only Nick Cage would think of that. 
Yeah, exactly. That's the most Nick Cage thing in the world. Another Nick Cage thing mm-hmm. that I also found looking up. Complete non sequitur. This is nothing to tie in or anything like that. Nick Cage just, you know, okay. Every person who's like, <clears throat> has a reasonable amount of wealth. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, a, a very common thing with wealthy families is to purchase mausoleums in specific sites for when they pass on. Mm-hmm. It's a very common thing. Uh, for families back in the day, if you had enough money, can you uh, can you guess Nick Cage's mausoleum general location and just what his mausoleum looks like, like where it's located? Okay. Yeah, just general location and just like general like what's if you had to look at the mausoleum of Nicholas Kim Coppola, aka Nick Cage, what would his mausoleum look like? I don't know. He 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 strikes me as like a pyramids of Giza type, like with his face oh. somewhere there. Oh, how 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 convenient! <laughs> it's almost because uh, funny that you mentioned the pyramids of Giza. Oh god! Because Nicolas Cage's own goddamn tomb is located in good old New Orleans, and is a motherfucking pyramid the pyramids of new orleans <laughs> i have to say located in the st louis cemetery it is the it is the pure is the pyramid shaped tomb of nicholas nicholas k cage so mike I, I have a question are we gonna make a pilgrimage out there i was about to say you know what if if, if Mr. midnight ever makes enough money to just go on a tour and we we're stopping at the St. Louis Cemetery. Absolutely, you heard, you heard it here first. We will do a meet and greet. <laughs> Absolutely, if we ever get big enough to do a meet and greet, we're stopping in New Orleans and pray and pay an homage <laughs> to the man himself. To the man himself, who's hopefully never not like dead. Like I, I wish he will. Nick Cage is going to live forever. That that's just I was a fact. To say, are we calling out a are we calling out a queen uh, a queen of England moment or we're just like this man is running off of this man is going to live past everyone? I, I think so. I think he's going to live past us all. Like it's just a fact. I I only hope. I only hope. So I have one question for you, Mike. Mm-hmm. What was your fate? What's your? This is a two part question. What is your okay. favorite Nick Cage moment and your favorite okay. Nick Cage movie? Okay. I got to say like individual moment. Favorite individual moment. Mm-hmm. I I got to say my favorite Nick Cage moment. I could go for like a sincere answer. Mm-hmm. I could go for a completely balls to the wall answer. And you know, by God, I'm going for a balls to the wall kooky answer. Hell yeah. It's the fucking, it is the goddamn hokey pokey from mom and dad. <laughs> it is the goddamn hokey pokey from mom and dad. My lord, Good I was choice. losing my mind. I was like, I watched that man sing the hokey pokey as he was taking a sledgehammer to a pool table. And I went, now that is a man right there. That is a man. That is a specimen. No, it's okay. And Nick Cage movie. Oh, oof. I, Out of all I of them. Say, all of them, absolutely. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll answer. I'll answer. I'll answer my favorite Nick Cage movie sincerely, mm-hmm. and like, and like, uh, in a and like in a joking manner. Mm-hmm. Sincerely, it's probably Pig. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it's an actual it's an actual piece mm-hmm. that's really interesting. I want to go back and watch Moonstruck mm-hmm. and really just like do a comparison because Nick Cage rules in Moonstruck as well. But I was more wowed in terms of just actual like prowess mm-hmm. at Pig. Now, that being said, it's goddamn mom and dad again. <laughs> Because motherfucker <laughs> is just hearing this man just go, Jushi! <laughs> as he's like, as he's trying to guess his kids. It's just, it's just crazy. Just fucking crazy. You're like, that is, that's just, that's perfect. That is just so, yeah. so it perfect. Is just, it's like, see, I was balancing between that and the Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, Wicker Man's last 10 minutes mm-hmm. is just beauty but it's like beauty in motion but it's like mom and dad as a whole really like oh yeah from the movies that we've covered at least encapsulates like this is what most people look of when they think of nick cage like wicker I mean, man yeah. might have been wicker man definitely like has the legendary not the bees but mom and dad has more of those like individual moments that really stick yeah, out exactly i was about to say it's got the the moments as a whole tie together in mm-hmm. Mom and Dad more than they do in Wicker Man. However, Wicker Man's moments are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just magnificent. Just magnificent. Now, there are uh, plenty of others that we have that we have not listed mm-hmm. in the Nick Cage month that I would also throw into the ring. Mm-hmm. Con Air, mm-hmm. Base Off, Leaving Las Vegas, Raising Arizona. All those are great. They have some Nick Cageisms mm-hmm. sprinkled in there as well. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, as it stands right now, those are my answers. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the question on its head. Okay. Or turn it around. Okay. Where are yours? What's your Nick Cageism? Okay. And what's the Nick Cage movie? Okay, so definitely from the movies that we've covered, at least I gotta go with mom and dad. But I wanna go broader to like all of nick cage so favorite nick cage moment i gotta go with i look i try to think okay what is a moment that nick cage that has been memed to death that has been like if you want to show someone like hey this is what nick cage is about i'm going to show them this one specific moment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i would probably show them vampire's kiss the alphabet scene where he just says, I've never misfiled anything. Not once, not one time. And he goes to the whole alphabet and A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. And he does that whole spiel. Like, I would say that is like the quintessential, like if no one knows who he is, like that is it. Now, Mm -hmm. Nick Mm -hmm. Cage has a lot of moments. So picking out just one is very, very difficult. But I feel like that one really encapsulates who he is. Oh, as oh, a yeah. person now i agree now favorite nick cage movie i agree with you on pig pig was definitely like in terms of filmmaking the better film but <laughs> in terms of a film that i enjoyed the most i'm gonna keep in mind we have not seen all of the direct-to-video dvd releases of nick cage you know we haven't s- sat down and watched every single fucking thing that he's in we've seen like a good chunk of it, but we haven't seen just about everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the one that I like, I see it as going back to back to a movie. I see myself going back 
to Willie's Wonderland, which oh god, that's good. That's that leads into my oh, next question god. that I'm gonna get. I'm gonna ask you in a second. Willie's Wonderland, basically Five Nights at Freddy's, but with Nick Cage, where he <laughs> doesn't say anything, but it just somehow works. Oh yeah, that is that. It, it's awesome as a whole, as a horror movie fan. Like that is like my oh. bread and butter. I could also throw Mandy in there as well for the surreal oh, yeah. psychedelic visuals. But again, that's more oh, like yeah. modern day Nick Cage. So yeah. That's, those are the movies that I am leaning towards. I, I say, yeah, I Willy's Wonderland. I almost, I almost don't want to go into detail about Willy's Wonderland because that feels like an episode. Yeah. That feels like mm-hmm. an episode right there. Oh, it's by by God, by God, that movie is something. And and Mandy, alongside Pig, I would say Mandy is a recent smash mm-hmm. left field hit that Nick Cage has done. And I, hi- alongside Pig, I highly recommend Mandy to anyone, anyone who's r- remotely interested. And I feel it's so. Good. I feel like I'd be remiss if I also didn't mention Joe that came out in 2013. I have not yet oh, seen. Yeah. I have not yet seen that movie, but I've heard nothing but good things from it. So that don't don't worry. That is definitely on my list. But just mm-hmm. from the movies that I've seen, I gotta go with Willy's Wonderland. And that actually leads into my next question for you, Mike. What movies do you think we overlooked i think i think i i think we actually didn't go far back enough Mm -hmm. i think we actually stuck too recent with nick cage Mm -hmm. i think i think what we did was we fell i think that we fell victim to the thing that 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 i think most people do which is really stick to what Nick Cage has done recently. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't get deep into the weeds of it. We didn't get deep in we didn't go through his backlog mm-hmm. really deep into it and go, "Oh yeah, this one, this off the wall one off from like 2004." Mm-hmm. It's it was a lot of yeah, Ghost Rider, yeah, Mom and Dad, mm-hmm. all these all these ones that everyone goes, "Oh yeah, of course, yeah, I remember that one." We didn't talk about Ant Bully, Mike. Dude, oh my we why didn't we why didn't we no it's i i definitely feel like i definitely feel like what we could have what we what we sh- what we could have done is bring up maybe one of his older pieces mm-hmm. and can do a comparison of young nick cage to old nick cage mm-hmm. and see and do a do a sort of look at how his acting has changed mm-hmm. i almost feel yeah, I like I, like I mentioned, I definitely feel like we looked over Willie's Wonderland, which fits perfectly with what this podcast is all about. But I also feel like we didn't talk about Vampire's Kiss, which, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, yeah. that has so many memeable moments throughout it. And yeah, I mean, I really feel like that we primarily stuck with the more recent movies. But mm-hmm. definitely when we do this again and by, you know, we are going to do this again. This isn't just a one-off thing. Yeah. We're going to go back and look at some of those older movies. So Yeah, by God, we're going to go back and do some of the older ones because Nick Cage, I would almost argue that from a just from an uh, from a non-silly drunk at night movie perspective, mm-hmm. n- old Nicolas Cage movies are just actually good. Mm-hmm. They're actually just good. Mm-hmm. Like like Raising Arizona, uh what is it? Moonstruck. Uh 
I think Peggy Sue got married was supposed yep. to be mm-hmm. pretty good. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one, but that one's really well received mm-hmm. all of, and like, yeah, you know, face off is like memeable as hell, mm-hmm. but it's still a good movie. Like he has more really real movies. Mm-hmm. In his old catalog, I feel like I feel like you could definitely you could definitely pull stuff out from there. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm. I mean, I'm with you 100. percent So now I'm going to ask you this question, and it's the question that they asked in Community: mm-hmm. Is Nick Cage good? I would say without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I would say I would say I would say if you you could sit there and I could he- I feel like I could hear in my brain. Someone pull out the, that's a nuanced question with a nuanced answer Mm -hmm. and just go, he's done X and done Y and blah, blah, blah. I would say, you know what? Without a shadow of a doubt, Mm -hmm. this dude can act. Mm -hmm. And you can look at any of his movies and he may be balls to the wall ridiculous, but the man can in fact act. Mm -hmm. Like the dude can do it. Like he has shown time and time again from the start of his career up till fucking unbearable weight of massive talent. He has he has made it abundantly clear that he acts and can do this. And that it's not just some he didn't get into Hollywood because of nepotism and he isn't still in Hollywood because he's ridiculous and bad. Mm-hmm. Like like cough cough Steven Seagal. He's he's there because he's good. He's mm-hmm. there because he is, he is good. And the only reason he's starring in these movies is because he's he sucks at 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 his finances mm-hmm. and went into a crazy amount of debt. That is true. That part of the of of the unbearable weight of massive talent, he actually did go into a lot of debt, not because of a hotel, but because of some other ridiculous decisions like purchasing shrunken heads and the like. Purchasing purchasing haunted mansions, mm-hmm. purchasing a three hundred thousand dollar dinosaur skull. He would just apparently Nicolas Cage is just the worst at spending. Mm-hmm. Apparently the he doesn't gamble. He doesn't do crazy shit that like really like blows your money up. Like the dude just spends it like it's going out of style. He was like that one college kid you knew that was just like whenever they saw something you're like I'm gonna buy this now. But he yeah, just kept he, on doing that exactly like. He literally like that's the reason all of these blessed movies came into our lap was because not because he in, not because he just gave up after a certain point. Mm-hmm. It's just because quite literally he had to. Mm-hmm. The man had to do anything that came into his life because he was so indebted to the IRS. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, guys, that concludes Nick Cage month. I, officially uh, officially this is like this is the actual end we're not gonna pull a fast one on you next week this is like mm-hmm. like no, no no that that concludes nick cage month i've had a blast doing that yeah i've watched mm-hmm. like watching a lot of these movies i really it gave me a, an appreciation it really did like change my opinion on like thinking what is a good actor it's someone who mm-hmm. i am enthralled by you know for good or for bad and i like i said this was an awesome time. I am so looking forward to doing this again. And Mike, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. If we were to do a celebrity month again, who would you like to see? See, see, I've been thinking about this mm-hmm. and we had start, we started this off on a really good note. Mm-hmm. I feel like, cause we started this off on a note of someone who has someone who we both love. We love his we love his works. 
We think he's great. We think that at the end of the day, as much as we like to rip apart some of his movies, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like that's completely clear. Now I'm I'm caught at a crossroads. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, where do we take this? Mm-hmm. Do we go? We could go. Uh, we could go the route that that we that, that we normally do with messed up at midnight, and do just an actor that just you are just confused why they're still in Hollywood, mm-hmm. like Steven Seagal, yes, Tara Reid, these people who are all pretty much it's pretty much almost confirmed that they were that they were a flash in the pan that essentially they starred in one or two good movies and the rest of them were just just terrible and then you also have or we could go in the other direction where we look at actors who are genuine thespians who have starred in just weird movies movies that made you go why and if we're going in that direction of like genuine honest to god like real people with real talent who have starred in just some confusing movies at certain points or just movies that are off the wall i would almost suggest christopher lee okay the dude has starred in some early early works in cinema mm-hmm. and some of them are great some of them fucking aren't and it's like i feel like I feel like I'm, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm caught in the middle because we could obviously just do have a full on dump fest of just terrible movies like Steven Seagal's or we could have like a sprinkling of weird movies, but also good movies Mm -hmm. and then sit there and do an appreciation of the person. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think that's my. I think I think that's my piece on that. What about you? Mm -hmm. I want to hear your two cents. So I this was a question I did not prepare. So this is just the answer coming from the top of my head. Part of me kind of wants to do an Uma Thurman month. Oh, OK, that's an interesting because we got because like, look, because like I pulled up because like as soon like when you were talking, I was like, I don't know why, but Uma Thurman's name came to my head and mm-hmm. I looked her up yeah. and we got Batman and Robin. Which, oh, yeah, which, you know, yeah, we all know Batman and Robin. And Kill Bill. There was something Mm -hmm. about seeing that. Where I was just like, yes, this I'm and everyone, every actor has that that like skeleton in their closet, that movie that they don't want you to see. And when you have a range like Batman and Robin and Kill Bill. I'm curious. I want to know what else you have. Like while you were talking, I just genuinely just clicked on this one movie called Johnny B. Good that has Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr., Paul Gleason, Uma Thurman, and wow. it has a zero percent approval rating on Rotten Tomato. Oh my god. So and I saw that and in that split second I was like, I want to know more. Yeah. What else does Uma Thurman have in her closet? So what I'm hearing is, and granted, obviously, obviously, listeners, let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Let us know wherever. But I'm hearing more on the these people are genuinely talented actors, mm-hmm. but we're just going to dig deep. 
I want to I want to know more. I want to know the details. I like I like this route that we're going. I like this route that we could potentially go. We could still go the other route. We could still course, cover of course, Steven Seagal. Of course, of course. Which we could also sit there and like cover like I do like the idea of covering like Uma Thurman or Christopher Lee, these people who are genuinely appreciated as good actors and actresses. And then just sit there and just peel back, peel back that curtain or go or dive, dive, dive beneath the iceberg and just see what they've got hidden away. What movies do they have that they're just are just are just are just away from the public eye for and for what reason? Because listeners do know that like we are going to cover Steven Seagal like that. That's just like that, like we would be like it would be a sin if we didn't talk about Absolutely. the Aikido master himself. The the man the man who has trained the the South Louisiana Police Department of Slidell, Louisiana. <laughs> the man himself. We'd be remiss not to cover him. Exactly. But like we want to dig a little deeper. So you guys just let us know. We really hope you enjoyed Nick Cage month. We're gonna be getting back to mm-hmm. regularly scheduled stuff next week. And mm-hmm. guys, Absolutely. this has just been an absolute blast. Mike, do you have anything else you want to say? All hail Nick Cage, baby. All hail he's, Nick Cage. He's the, he's the best for a reason. Mm-hmm. He He's the GOAT. You heard it here first. <laughs> that's it. Well, guys, that's been this episode of Messed Up at Midnight. Nick Cage month has been awesome, and we'll we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody.